If you want to learn more about the person of Jesus Christ, the book of Colossians offers an unrivaled portrayal of our Savior. And to help you understand this important book in a deeper way, Dr. David Jeremiah has created a verse-by-verse study called Christ Above All. This helpful book and album are yours when you donate $60 to Turning Point. And with an $80 gift, you'll also receive the Written Word Journal. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. The prophetic countdown continues to the day Christ returns for His church. Are you rapture ready? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah and guest Sheila Walsh share an encore presentation of their conversation about his new book, The Great Disappearance, a biblical guidebook to give you hope and confidence as the day approaches. To interview Dr. Jeremiah, here's Sheila Walsh. So lovely to see you all. So let me ask you a question. Does the state of the world ever make you anxious? Even fearful? The current political turmoil, economic uncertainty, and increasingly impassable ideological divides that seem to point to the end of everything that we know. And that can be discouraging, but what if I told you that it's also incredibly exciting? Because it means that we are closer than ever to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. just a moment we'll talk with Dr. David Jeremiah who will explain to us that if we pay attention we can see the prophetic thread of scripture being acted out in real time as we move even closer to the next event on God's prophetic calendar which is the rapture. In Dr. Jeremiah's new teaching series he calls this prophetic event the great disappearance and in this study He answers questions about the rapture with solid, always biblical truth. We may not know the exact day of the rapture, but we know it will happen. And Dr. Jeremiah wants to make sure that we're all rapture ready for that day. So with that in mind, please welcome pastor, author, teacher, and my very dear friend, Dr. David Jeremiah. It's just lovely to be back in New York. This is one of your favorite places. Yeah, and I wasn't sure what to think when I was coming back here. But you know, I don't know if I'm right. It feels like New York is back. Yeah. It really feels like that. Maybe not all the way, but sure, a long way more than I thought it would be. I have to tell you, and I'm excited for you to know, this is one of the most exciting things I've ever read that you have written. I've read everything you've written. This brought me to tears sometimes and just made me so full of hope and joy. So why is New York a perfect place to film this teaching series on the great disappearance? You know what? New York is kind of like the center of everything, isn't it? It, When you think about it, uh, people come here from all over the world. We're on television here and on the radio here. We get some of the most interesting responses from New York people. Uh, They, I mean, uh, they live life in a way 
that you almost envy. Did you know that New York is the most creative center in the, in the western part of the world? Wow. When people want to do something creative, they come here because the buzz is so great. It just heightens your ability to think creatively. And you feel that when you come here. There's something about being in New York that's just... I don't know. I was really sad when all of the bad things started to happen that we might not ever be able to come back here again. And I'm so grateful to be back. What a wonderful thrill to be in this city. You use a phrase um, for this particular series that I hadn't used, heard you use before. You call this motivational prophecy. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I did that on purpose, Sheila, because so many people that I know say that prophecy doesn't have a practical application to it. And when they say that, and hopefully you're not one of those who says it, but if you are, stop saying it because you're giving away your biblical ignorance. Uh, It's not true. The Bible is filled with prophecy and almost every prophetic context has within it marching orders, things we're supposed to do. For instance, one of the most famous passages is in John 14 where Jesus is trying to encourage his disciples. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. You know that story? But did you ever... Think about what he said first. Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, if you know what God's up to, you don't have to be upset waiting up at night worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. God's got this. He's got this thing in control. Amen. I, of all the people, um, I've been most influenced by you in terms of understanding biblical prophecy. But I wondered, what's your own journey been like with that? Was there someone who influenced you or... Why are you so passionate about this? Well, you know, um, in this book, I tell a little bit of the story in, in the introduction to the book. I pastored a church, actually started a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana back in, in the late 60s, early 70s. And in the early 70s, a guy by the name of Hal Lindsey wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Y'all remember that? Yeah. It was the first really popular prophecy book I'd ever seen. And he took the material that he had learned in seminary in his own personal study and he married it to the problems that were going on. It was right after the Six-Day War. And he tried to bring all of the prophecies of Israel. And I was just mesmerized by that. Later on, I met the woman who did the work on that book with him, a woman by the name of Carol Carlson. We ended up being at a conference in California. And she had heard me teach some on prophecy. And she said, let me help you put some of this in books. So we did two books together, The Handwriting on the Wall and The, the Book on Revelation. And uh, then, in the providence of time, I met a guy named Tim LaHaye, <laughs> and uh, I used to set up his conferences for him in the Midwest when I was a pastor in Fort Wayne. And one day he said, I'm going to leave this church in California, and you're going to be the next pastor. And I said, well, you know, we need to ask God about that, you know, see if that's it. But he was prophetic. Wow. I ended up there. And it was while I was there, after he was out of the pastorate, uh, Sheila, that he began to write the Left Behind series. And the first book, the first Left Behind book set all kinds of records. I was just reviewing that again today. Did you know the Left Behind series has sold over 50 million books? Wow. And uh, I remember people reading those books on airplanes when I was traveling, and they'd line up in front of the Christian bookstore for the next one to come out. Nobody had ever heard about that before. He took prophecy and he made it so exciting because it told the story of what was happening. Mm. Many people have tried to come up with a date. You do not do that. And you do not do that in this book either. No. Why? I want to keep my job. (laughs) You know, 
that's a really serious thing. The yeah. Bible says no man knows the day yeah. nor the hour. Yeah. Listen to this. The angels don't know. And when Jesus was on the earth, even he didn't know. Wow. The Son of God did not know when he was on this earth when wow. he would come back. He knows now. He's sitting next to the Father. He knows when it's going to happen. So it's a really serious thing. And when people write books saying it's going to happen in 1988 or it's going to happen in the millennium, all they do is confuse people. And then they make a mockery out of the study of prophecy. And I'm, I'm very serious about the fact that we should never do that. Yeah. I can imagine many of us thinking, well, we're so grateful that you study it and that you learn and we learn from you. But why is it important that we all study prophecy? Well, for one thing, it's 28% of the Bible. So if you say, I'm never going to read prophecy, you just cut out a fourth of the Bible. That's not a good thing to do. Secondly, for instance, take the book of Revelation. It's the only book in the Bible that has two promised blessings. If you read that book, the Bible says you'll be blessed. And I promise you, you will be. There's a promise at the beginning and the promise at the end that says, if you read this book, you will be blessed. How many of you here like to be blessed? You know, so you should read prophecy for the blessing of it. And then there's a kind of confidence that you get when you, you know, we know some things people in the world don't know. They're all wringing their hands about what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. The more we know, the more confident we become. And the more incredibly urgent we become to share with others the truth of the coming of Christ. I said in the introduction that you wanted us all to be rapture ready. What does that mean? Well, you know, I don't know that we can ever do that. When we first started to do this book, the cover was going to say 31 days to be rapture ready. And then somebody said, no, that sounds like a curriculum. We can't do that. So it became 31 ways. And what that really means is there's a lot of questions that kind of surround the rapture. Like if Jesus is coming back, why is he taking so long? Or what about the children? Are they going to be raptured? Or all of those things. And when is it going to happen? Is it going to be before the tribulation, after the tribulation, in the middle of it? To be rapture ready is to get as many of those questions answered as you can and settle down in what you know. Dr. Jeremiah answers every single one of these questions in this book. It is absolutely amazing. You call it the great disappearance. But for people who perhaps are not as familiar, what is the rapture. How do you define that? The rapture is a time in the future when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, not to the earth, but to the heavens, to receive to himself every single person who has put their trust in him for eternal life. And before he receives the ones who are on earth, all of those who have died in Christ, who are Christians, they're going to be resurrected. And the Bible says we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Bodies will be reunited with spirits and souls. Christians who are dead will be reunited with Christians who are alive. And then finally, all of us will be reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ. The great reunion. Right. I remember the first time that my son, who was probably, I know, 10 or 12 at the time, understood about the rapture. And so he thought about it for a while. And then he said to my husband, we had three dogs at the time. He said to Barry, okay, you grab Belle, I'll grab Tink, and mom can grab Maggie. What will the moment of the great disappearance, what will it be like? Well, you know, it's hard to imagine the chaos that will be on earth. Mm-hmm. Just stop and think about all the people that you know who are Christians. And, you know, uh, I think there's been some really good studies about this. A lot of Christians are in places of great responsibility. Christians end up being good leaders. They're responsible, most of them, and they do a good job. So they gravitate toward the top. 
Just stop and think about all of a sudden, all of those people not being here any longer. And, uh, you know, chaos will develop. And I have a section in that book, a whole chapter called Chaos on Planet Earth. And uh, it tells some stories about what things will be like. Uh, one of my visuals that I'll never forget is the picture of a guy pushing his little girl on a swing. And he pushes the swing out and she's on the swing and the swing comes back and she's not there because she's gone to heaven. People talking to one another and disagreeing. And we're doing some videos that are going to get your attention, I promise you. you my, my creative guy, Paul Joyner, has been working on this for some time. And he's told me a little bit about how we're going to try to illustrate this for our watchers and listeners. To help people understand this is not just some kind of fictional story. This is the truth. This is going to happen. Why will God rapture the church? What is the point of taking the church out of the earth? I think there are a couple of things about that, Sheila, that are important. One that may not be as obvious. First of all, it's the catalyst that kicks off the prophetic calendar. You know, the rapture is the beginning of the tribulation, Armageddon, all of those things that happen in the future. But secondly, the rapture is the opportunity for God to bring home to himself those who belong to him before all the tribulation takes place on earth. The Bible says we're not appointed to wrath. We're appointed to the day of Christ. So, and that's a big part of this book, uh, helping people understand that we're not going to go through the tribulation. The term, the rapture, does that ever actually appear in scripture? No, it, the actual term itself doesn't. It's actually from a Latin word, really, raptura, but it means caught up. And that phrase is in the scripture. Caught up is often there. In all of the other raptures beside the rapture of Christ, that term is caught up. When Jesus went back to heaven after his time on this earth, he was caught up to heaven. Yeah. So rapture means to be caught up, to be caught up to heaven. A lot of believers um, kind of bundle everything together, the rapture, the second coming, the Lord's appearance. How are those different events? Well, and Sheila, that's a very, um, really important question because if you get those two mixed up, then everything kind of gets all foggy. Here's the way this works. The next thing on the calendar is the rapture of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that's an imminent event, which means nothing has to happen before that occurs. Uh, it can occur tomorrow, but nothing has to happen. Wouldn't it be cool to go to heaven from this beautiful well, we're place? Doing right? This. <laughs> right. right. So, so the rapture happens, and immediately after the rapture, what happens in the rapture? All the Christians go to heaven. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In the hearts of Christians. So what happens to this earth? The Holy Spirit disappears. Do you know what his name is? He's the restrainer. Can you imagine this earth with no restraint? And the tribulation will happen, and we'll talk about that maybe, but it's the darkest time the world has ever dreamed of. Seven years of tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, the Lord Jesus Christ is returning, not for his saints, but with his saints. We'll be with him. We'll have been in heaven with him for seven years. The Bible says he comes back with his saints, the saints and the angels. We're going to be in the great army that returns to Armageddon. And we don't have to do anything because the Bible says all Jesus is going to do is, and it's over. Is he going to destroy him with the breath of his mouth? So... And we're all dressed in white. You don't go to war in white, but we're just, we're just audience for Jesus in the return. What will our world look like when everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who trusts the Lord is gone? And what about those who've heard it all but just never bothered making a commitment? Well, I'll tell you something, Sheila. This is a hard thing for me to say. The world's looking more and more like that every day. There's some things, for instance, you take what's happening in Ukraine right now. That's kind of like a picture of the tribulation. 
mm. with buildings being burned and people being killed and all kinds of innocent things happening to good people without any moral center at all. When you take morality out of the world totally and you put the Antichrist in charge and he's Satan's minion, all you're going to have is evil on steroids and it will be awful. And uh, people say, well, if you're in the tribulation, you can't be saved. But that's not true. God is going to do something in the tribulation. This is hard to believe. It's going to have the greatest revival that's ever taken place on the earth is going to happen in tribulation. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'll just do this real quick. Please, okay, no, take first your time. Of all, he's going to uh, seal 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Wow. Now, I don't know what you think about the zeal of Jewish people, but 144,000 of them turn loose on the world with the gospel. That's going to make a difference. Listen, he turned the world upside down with 12 disciples, 12 times 12,000. You got it. All these Jewish evangelists. And then Moses and Elijah are going to return as the two witnesses. And all kinds of miraculous things will happen. The two witnesses are going to be killed. They're going to be resurrected. They're going to be raptured. Um, and many will come to Christ. Third, there's an angel from heaven who's dispatched to the world with the gospel. He's the gospel angel, and he goes all over. Can you imagine the freedom of an angel and preaching the gospel all over the world? And then I have a friend who's in heaven now. His name is Henry Morris. He wrote a book on Revelation. He said, don't forget, my books are going to be in the tribulation. <laughs> and, and my writings and my recordings and our television program. It's and true. you know what? I think people will watch those things with a little more interest during that time than they may right now. That's true. This very book will still be here. Yeah. So um, you talk about the fact that there actually have been occasions of like many raptures. Well, I think there's five of them beside the rapture of the church. I won't get all of them. But for instance, you remember Elijah? Mm. He was caught up in a chariot of fire and taken to heaven. I love the one about Enoch. Yeah. The, the, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not. <laughs> I love that. I, <laughs> I see him walking along. He was walking with God. What happened to Enoch? He's gone to heaven. You know, and then uh, Paul had a rapture, uh, as we talked about, and the two witnesses were raptured. Yeah. E Elijah got raptured twice. I never thought about that until recently. He went up in the rapture in the Old Testament, and he's one of the two witnesses in the New Testament. So that dude's got the record, man. He's got two <laughs> raptures. Right. <laughs> what are some common, perhaps, misconceptions about the rapture? Well, you know... One of the things we tried to do with this book, Sheila, and I hope we've done it, is to not get crazy with it. You know, sometimes when people get into something like that, they just go so crazy that they lose credibility. Yeah. You know, we're not going to show clothes laying on the floor that people got raptured out of and all that kind of stuff. You know, but that's what happens. People, the, the rapture itself is so magnificent. You don't have to do anything to make it better. Just tell the story of it. So I think one of the things that people do is they, they over-dramatize yeah. it and make it something that it's not. And then they don't, if they don't understand, it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. We're going to see Jesus. You know, the whole outline is very clear. We're going to see Jesus. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. How do we balance um, longing for that day with the call we have to live for Christ today? You know, that was Paul's issue, wasn't it? He said he wanted to be with the Lord and he wanted to be with them. And uh, we all face that. I, I think, you know, for me, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. 
But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to living my life. Yeah. There's, I love this story about a little boy who was in a class one day, and the teacher said, how many of you want to go to heaven? And everybody in the class raised their hand but this little boy. And the teacher walked back, and she said, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, oh, yes, ma'am, when I die, but I thought you were getting up a load for tonight. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel. You know, I want to go to heaven when the right time comes. But you know what? You can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Yeah. You don't want to walk around mumbling. My goal is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. Amen. And that's what I want to do. Amen. In this teaching series, you talk that the rapture will occur in a time like Noah, when Noah was on oh, the yes. earth. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah. Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. You know, that's a really interesting thing. You say, okay. What's it going to be like before Jesus comes back? If you want to find out, go back and read Genesis. Because here's what the Bible tells us. First of all, it was a cavalier generation. The Bible says they were marrying and giving in marriage, eating. And, have, and when I first thought that, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a terrible thing. But it's not. They weren't doing anything bad. They were just doing something normal. They were carrying on life just like normal. They were cavalier. Here's Noah over there beating his brains out, building this ark. Been pounding on the ark for 120 years, preaching every day. They just didn't pay any attention. Wow. And that's the way it is today. You all are who are pastors and churches, you know. We used to have a lot of people that came to church, don't come to church anymore. They walk by the church. They drive by the church. It's just, uh, this church is church. Somebody's got to go there, but not me. Cavalier. And the Bible says every intent and thought of their heart was evil. Wow. It was the most evil generation that had ever been on earth until that time. And, of course, we're working hard to catch up with them, aren't we? You know, I read some statistics about the imagination, which is pretty much a target on pornography. And that 20% of all pornography right now is children 12 years and under. We have figured out a way to take all the evil that's in the world and confine it into a little cell phone so you can carry it with you everywhere you go. So it was cavalier. It was corrupt. And it was careless. I mean, how could you hear this man preach every day for 120 years? And, and they didn't listen. Mm. In fact, I often think about Noah being so discouraged. He preached for 120 years and only had eight converts. I mean, only his family got saved. Everybody else just blew it off. They were caught off guard. I mean... They didn't know what rain was. Did you know it had never rained before then? They'd had mist on the earth, but no rain. All of a sudden, it started to rain, and they started remembering what Noah had been preaching. And then he started moving toward the ark, and the door was shut, and it was too late. And the Bible says that's the way it will be in the day before the rapture. People will be just doing their own thing, not paying any attention, and then some stuff will start to happen that will get their attention. And if they're not careful, they'll wait too long, and the Lord will come back, and they'll be left behind. You describe the great disappearance as the greatest day and the worst day the earth has ever seen. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, you just think about it. Uh, how many of you, let me just ask this question. How many of you have friends and family who are not Christians? Raise your hands, you see. It's almost everybody in this room. You will not be aware of, of being disappointed because you'll be in heaven and there won't be any sorrow there. But just think about it. And for them... They go out into an eternity from which there is no return. The second death is what you face when you are separated from God forever. 
And there's not anything I can say to you to describe the awfulness of that. And it's so unnecessary because the gospel is so clear and the message is so easy to believe. I have to tell you that reading that gave me a fresh challenge because I have a couple of cousins who live in Scotland and the knowledge of this should change the way that we live every single day in terms of sharing the gospel, even with those we think won't pay attention. And you know, Sheila, that's really an important thing because one of the goals I had with this book was to make sure the gospel was in every chapter. Yeah. You cannot read The Great Disappearance and not know what you need to do to go to heaven. I want to keep telling you about the resources we have for this series, a beautiful brand new book called The Great Disappearance, a book that is just just unbelievably going everywhere in the world. Uh, we have shipped out over 100,000 copies of this book already. And then there's a study guide we've created that's the largest study guide we ever did because it's got 16 chapters in it. It's full of outlines and questions and applications to help you make this material come alive in your own heart. So go to your website for all of the ancillary material. But to get the book, you just need to send a gift of any size to Turning Point and tell us, I want Dr. Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. And when you send your gift, we'll send the book to you as our way of saying thank you. This is Turning Point, and I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as Sheila Walsh and Dr. Jeremiah continue their encore presentation about the great disappearance on Turning Point. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. After the fact, some people wonder how they ever got themselves involved in a sinful situation. I've heard it said that if we will keep ourselves from the opportunity to sin, 
God will keep us from sin. The New Testament says God never allows us to be tempted beyond our ability to resist, that He will provide a way of escape. The question is, will we take the way of escape He provides? If we do, He will keep us from sin. If we don't, then we have failed to keep ourselves from opportunity to sin. So God has a part, and we have a part. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways of escape on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.